0: And this morning, if you would turn to John chapter eight, that is where our study will be this morning. The question will be how we claim that Jesus is the light of the world as Christians. um, And is our testimony credible? Does the world see our testimony as credible? So. We are going to uh, pray uh, over the text this morning, and then uh, we will read uh, the text together, make some applications and uh, as we go. So Father God, we do come this morning uh, to your text, um, united, united by the atoning death of Jesus Christ for us. And Father, we do ask for your help and the help of the Holy Spirit to give light to our souls this morning. Give us grace to do what the word teaches us. Uh, Give us grace to do that which is pleasing to you, Father. We ask that you be exalted through our time here in your word, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So John uh, chapter 8, we're going to begin in verse 12, and we will go through verse 30 this morning. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who bears witness, uh, who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says where I'm going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below. I am from above, you're of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. This is the inspired, infallible, inerrant word of the Lord for us this morning. So the testimony of Jesus... Christ. Quite simply, you know, you know, I, they tell pastors to never like front load the sermon and give you everything right at the beginning. They tell you to kind of like gradually unfold it as you go. But I decided this week I'm just going to give you all of it right up front, okay? And then we'll and then we'll dive into it. So all of it up front is this: is that the testimony of Jesus Christ can be trusted? The testimony of Jesus Christ uh, is true by virtue of His unity with God the Father of Heaven. His knowledge of God in personal relationship with Him, and it is proved by His obedience to please the Father, even to point of death, even point of death on the cross. This is Jesus' testimony. Jesus' testimony is I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is His testimony. And it's true. This is his true testimony. I think all of us who are in Christ would say, that too is my testimony, that Jesus is the light of the world and that by following him, we no longer walk in darkness, but we have the light of life. That is our testimony to the world. The apostle Peter tells us in the first epistle, uh, chapter three, verses 15 and 16, he says, but in your hearts, honor Christ as Uh, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. That, as he says here, that is a credible witness, isn't it? It is a credible testimony to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ is what he's admonishing everyone to do, right? Be prepared, to have a defense for the hope that is in you. Be prepared to proclaim the testimony that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Be prepared, be ready to do that and do that with a good conscience, with gentleness and with respect so that those who might say something against you have nothing about your behavior that they can point to to say that that is contrary to their testimony, right? Saying that your testimony and your behavior are linked and tied hand in hand. Well, I would ask us to ponder this, and I've been pondering this all week as I've studied this text, is church, can, can our testimony concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ be trusted? Can our personal testimony of Jesus Christ be trusted? Do we give our defense of the gospel by virtue of our having been united to Christ Jesus? That is the first step in our defense. Isn't it? I have been united with Christ. I've been united in his death and resurrection. And so when I say that this is my testimony, my testimony is not based just on me. It is based on the fact that I have been united in Christ's death, and I am continually united with him in his resurrection. Do we further describe our testimony? Describing our personal relationship with the person, Jesus Christ. Not just Mira. Knowledge of the scriptures or knowledge about Jesus and his life but can I testify that I about my personal relationship with Jesus Christ I know him and I am known by him as proof of the truth and then is our testimony affirmed by a life lived according to the word of God or can it be refuted in the world because we have adopted the culture of the world too much and Is our testimony true in our body? In our body as we gather, is our testimony proved by sacrificial obedience? A sacrificial life laid down for our brothers and for our friends aimed at pleasing God and not men. That affirms our testimony. As we pick up our study, in John this morning, the reason why I laid that out for us is that this is the same order with which Jesus gives a defense for his statement that I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. This is Jesus' testimony. So as we pick up our study... In John 8 this morning, we've been looking at Jesus teaching in the temple during the Feast of Tabernacles. And Jesus' testimony in in our study thus far has been this, that although he's facing grand opposition, everything else that, that, that the scriptures are showing that Jesus is truly the obedient son of God. Right in 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 contrary to their desire to have him arrested and to find fault with him. He is proving himself time and time again that he is indeed the obedient son of God. And the response, of course, from the Pharisees and the scribes is rather hostile. Right. Further, Jesus testifies that he is the reality of what God had provided for them in the wilderness. As he's been teaching in chapter 6, chapter 7, and chapter 8, Jesus Jesus is boldly saying something here that, you know, in your wilderness wanderings, I'm the guy. I am now the the one that that was alluded to in God's provision for you when you people, Israel, were in in the wilderness. In John chapter 6, Jesus testifies that he is the new manna sent from heaven. In John chapter 7, Jesus is the water that was miraculously provided from the rock, a well that springs from him to eternal life for all who believe. And now in today's text, I want to show you that, that Jesus claimed that I am the light of the world is him proclaiming that I am the cloud of the glory of God, illuminating the way of life uh, for God's people. And that in me, Jesus would say, is the constant presence of God. Exodus 13, 21 through 22 says, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. So the cloud, you see, the cloud was very important to Israel because it symbolized God's presence with his people. And from the cloud, God often spoke judgment against Israel's opponents. Secondly, the cloud was important because it was the primary means of God's protection for them. Thirdly, it was God's means of giving direction to his people. Where the cloud moved, the faithful people of God were to follow. So what Jesus is saying here. Is I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the cloud of the glory of God. And if you follow me, you will have direction for your life from the Father. Your way will be lighted. The presence of God will always be with you in me. This is a bold, bold proclamation, Right? And so our testimony opens with that. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This, Jesus says, at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, the Mishnah, Sukkah, which is, that is the in the Talmud, which is the description and prescription, sort of, for what the Feast of Tabernacles practices were. And in that Mishnah, is the description and instruction of the traditional ways that the Jews would um, celebrate this feast. And we've already heard Jesus' incredible testimony, haven't we, a couple weeks ago, where Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. The Mishnah follows that uh, idea that he talked about, about the water and the ceremony of pouring things out as I talked to you guys about a couple weeks ago. The Mishnah says this, he who has not seen the joy of the place of water drawing has never in his life seen joy. Right after this claim from the Mishnah comes a description of the lighting of four huge lamps in the temple's court of women. And there was this enthusiastic celebration that took place underneath this light. And there were certain men, and of course these men had to be of piety because they were in the court of women, right? Men of piety and good works danced through the night holding these burning torches in their hands and they were singing songs and giving praise to God. And some reports say that this went on uh, every night of the feast and the glow from these lamps as they were in this uh, temple area, the glow from these lamps could be seen all around Jerusalem. And so it is in this context that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus here is asserting, I am the cloud of God's presence. I am the lamp unto your feet. I am the light unto your path. I am the word of God. I am the light that John the Baptist testified was coming in to the world. I am the life that is the source of light for all men. Without my light, we are just wandering around in the uh, wilderness and the darkness of our own sins. And he's telling them this. I am the light of the world and you're just a wanderer still, lest you would follow me. So verse 13, we see their response. So the Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. See, the Pharisees say this, supposing that Jesus is contradicting himself. They're supposing that Jesus is contradicting himself from uh, chapter five. Let's read verse uh, 31 from chapter five together. They're supposing that Jesus is contradicting this uh, statement. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. So this is what they're supposing, that Jesus here in in chapter 8 is contradicting himself. You're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. But Jesus goes on to say in the rest of that passage if we look at 32 through 34, there is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive from is from men, but I say these things that you might be saved. Verse 35: He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. So, Jesus is saying, this, this is not my own testimony. This is the testimony of the Father and the Spirit, and even your own, John the Baptist, has testified to me. So, here in verse 13, the Pharisees say, your testimony can, cannot believe, be believed since you have no cooperation. And now, Jesus is getting ready to lay out his defense for his testimony, right? And what I wanted us to see and why I opened with what I did is that the, the model that Jesus has for Proclaiming the truth of his testimony is the same one that we can use when we testify to Jesus. We can follow Jesus' model here. Let's look at verses 14 through uh, 18. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I come from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. The first offense that Jesus gives for his testimony from heaven is that that is his testimony, that my testimony is from heaven. This is a heaven sent testimony and it concerns the things of the spirit and that it's not according to the flesh. As you discern your own testimony, this is a testimony that is spiritually discerned. It is heaven sent. Secondly, Jesus' testimony is defended based on his union with the father. Jesus is declaring, I am united to the father in perfect conformity to his will." Jesus says, my testimony is true because I testify to the will of the Father and the Father testifies that I am the perfectly obedient Son of God. So church, as we think about our defense of the gospel, our credible witness to Jesus Christ should come with bold confidence. Jesus is boldly confident here. He's boldly confident in his union with the Father, right? And when we give defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can speak upon the authoritative word of God. God's word says this is true. So we speak upon the authority of scriptures. And when we testify to Jesus Christ, I think what we ought to think about this is that we should testify to what the scriptures say no more and no less We testify to what it says. This is what it says about all men. This is what it says about me. This is what it says about you. This is what it says about the Father. This is what it says about Jesus Christ. This is what it says about the Holy Spirit. And that's it. So be it. Right? So be it. When we proclaim Jesus Christ as the way and the truth and the life, we have the scriptures to back us up. When we proclaim that Jesus Christ is the light that shines through the dark hearts of men, we do so with the confidence that the scriptures are also spirit-breathed. It is the Holy Spirit-breathed authority and the authoritative word of God and that that word of God by the spirit is according to the will of the Father who wrote it. Secondly, we testify confidently to the gospel of Jesus Christ from our union with him. We are united with Christ. I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter uh, 1. And you can kind of keep a placeholder there because later we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4. But first, I want to look at Ephesians chapter 1 Because Paul, as he's writing this letter to the Ephesians, is writing to them to be confident in their position in Christ. And so he lays this out beginning in verse 3, and we'll just read through verse 14. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This is confidence, isn't it? This is bold confidence in our testimony because we have union with Jesus Christ. We are united to him in an inheritance. Every, you know, there's probably 10, I think, at least 10 in that passage phrases, in Christ, in him, in Christ, in him. It's repeated over and over again. For us to remember that that is our testimony. I am united to Jesus Christ. I am united in him. I can never be separated from him. This is our testimony. Jesus is the light of the world and I can prove it. I am in him and he is in me. That is the defense that we give. Thirdly, our confidence of the truth In Jesus Christ amid opposition is just like what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2.14. Is this what he's telling them is that the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So the truth that, that we proclaim concerning Jesus Christ is spiritually discerned. So as Jesus is laying out his defense, I know where I'm going, heaven. I know where I've come from. You don't know that. That, that the truth that I proclaim is spiritually discerned. And you don't know that. Back to our text, verse 19 and 20. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Wow, what a powerful question that they ask. And it reveals like a lot. That question they ask reveals a lot. And Jesus points out what it reveals. The question, where is your father? It's very telling, right? Jesus answers that you have no personal relationship with God the Father. You might know about his laws, Perhaps you have mentally ascended to the fact that God is, that he is and that he exists, but you have no experiential knowledge of him. Oh, that we should ever, I hope, never hear that as we might make our testimony about Jesus and about the gospel and about the truth of God's word, but not know him, not have any experiential relationship with Jesus. That is part of our testimony as well, isn't it? It is the authority of God's word. It is spirit given, right? that That's our testimony. It comes from heaven. It comes from the scriptures. It comes with all of that authority. It comes from our union with Jesus Christ, but it also comes in experiential relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. I remember when I was at Multnomah and the professor was, was teaching uh, a class about um, how we would defend the authority of scripture. And the, the, my classmates were a lot smarter than me. So they had a, a whole lot of like, uh, historical stuff to say and a whole bunch of background stuff, which is all true. And then he says, well, Jeff, you're kind of being silent today. Uh, what do you have to say? And I said, well, I mean, all the things that everybody's talked about is true. But here's what I've discovered, that upon reading the scriptures, I have come to know a person. I've come to know the person of Jesus Christ, as real as the kid sitting next to me here. I've come to know him experientially. All of those things you say about the scripture are true and they're good to know and to have an apologetic, right? To back up uh, our statements. But along with that is experience. I have experienced God's grace in Jesus Christ from the pages of scripture in my life. I have experienced the grace of God in the Holy Spirit in my life. Guiding, directing me, comforting me, convicting me. The things that I once didn't think were sin, I now think are sin because of God, because He is working in me. And I can testify to that reality that I am in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's an experiential knowledge. I would ask us this. Can we know the gospel of Jesus Christ and not know Jesus? Can we be versed in theology and not know Him? In some Christian circles, there's way too much emphasis on experience. And sometimes in those circles, experience comes without any biblical grounding whatsoever. It's just all about how you feel. And and your experiences define who Christ is and who God is and who the Holy Spirit is. But then there are some circles who always push aside favor and they push aside experiential relationship with Christ for an intellectualized faith that has no relationship in it whatsoever both ends are are are, are off i think of 1st corinthians 13 When Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver my body up to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. It's about experience. It's about relationship, experiential relationship. One of the ways that we are to give a a defense for the hope that we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Is that our testimony? I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. That's just as true as anything else that we might share. I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. We testify that we have experienced and are personally acquainted with the love of God for us in Christ Jesus. I can personally attest, testify to the truth that among sinners, I am the chief and God loves me. And sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sin. Experientially, I know this to be true. That is one way that we can affirm our testimony, but it is only those who personally experience the love of God who can give away the love of God in Christ Jesus, isn't it? You cannot give away that which you do not possess. I am loved by God and I can give away his love to others because I've experienced it. It helps to make our testimony that much more credible. And by our love, they will know that we are Christians. We know him. We are known of him in a real experiential way. Of course, it makes me think of the hymn, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. That's the truth of the gospel in an experiential way. Let us look at verses 21 through 24. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says where I'm going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Jesus counters the Pharisees' lack of understanding by declaring, I am not of the world, and by pointing out to them, you are worldly. You judge humanity according to your own humanity. You live according to the world and its systems. And unless you believe that the Father sent Christ in the world to save sinners, And you continue to live according to the world, then you will die in your sins. Sometimes the world around us can reject our testimony to the otherness of the gospel. Isn't that what we proclaim when we proclaim the gospel? We proclaim an otherness. That God is other than us. That the life that Christians are called to live is other than the world's system and the way the world says we ought to conduct ourselves. We declare the otherness of the gospel, but sometimes the world can reject our testimony and reject its validity because we ourselves are just as worldly as everyone else. We're living a life according to the world system, not according to the scriptures. We, we, we don't have an example of the world being turned upside down, our world, personal worlds having been turned upside down. We live just like the world. The American church has lately, uh, has a desire to, to bring the church in line with the culture, doesn't it? And... Some of those churches have traded the exposition of the scriptures for an entertaining video, for self-stylized music, for running a play, for having uh, bright, shiny lights and smoke and a, you know, better looking pastor, maybe, right? Whatever it might be that there's this appeal to, to worldliness. And that really is to our shame, isn't it? trading the exposition of the scriptures for entertainment. You know, when Paul writes to his young protege, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 3, he tells him that behavior matters, that the household of faith behaves in such a way as to confirm the otherness of the gospel uh, and not in conformity, to, in conformity to the ways of the world. In 1 Timothy 3, he says... Paul says to him I hope to come to you soon but I'm writing these things so that if I delay you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God which is the church of the living God a pillar and a buttress of the truth the behavior matters it affirms the truth that we proclaim it it affirms the truth of the gospel you see the transformed in Christ lived not according to the world, but according to the gospel. And I would ask us to evaluate, and I have been doing this in myself. Are there ways in which I've compromised worldliness? Or am I constantly thinking about how I can live contrary to the world and contrary to its systems? Not in an obtruse sort of maniacal way, right? Uh, even as we, as we looked at first Peter saying, like, you know, with respect and with dignity, with respect and dignity, am I living contrary to the world and and to its system, so that they might ask why I have this hope that I have in me? Is it affirming my testimony? Do we claim Christ but then live according to a worldly standard? I think if if we say that we constantly live according to the world's standard, but yet we proclaim Christ as Lord and say that he is the light of the world and that we are following him and that he is the light unto our path and that his word is authoritative in our life and that we have experience with him, I would say that if you can do that and you are continually doing that, not that you're not gonna mess up, but that that is the pattern of your life, you might want to examine whether or not you be in the faith at all. You might want to examine that. I would say that we could examine that by asking the Lord to reveal, am I continuing in darkness? Is the light of the gospel shining forth in my life? Am I transformed by the light and by this life? Maybe asking the Lord this, have I truly been made alive Or am I still dying in my sins? Because you see, behavior matters. It matters. Let us pick up in verse 25. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him the pharisees asked jesus who are you jesus simple answer is just what i've been telling you from the beginning i am the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life who are you that's what i've told you this is what i've been telling you i declare this truth to you from the father my testimony is true They did not understand that Jesus was speaking of the Father because it is spiritually discerned. They were worldly. They were dying in their sins. They were walking in darkness. And then Jesus then turns the table and says, I will prove to you one day that I am the light of the world that I am the presence of God on earth, that I am the protector of God's people, that I am the one in whom you are to follow. If you desire to be directed by the will of God, you must follow me. I am the light of the world. I will prove it by my sacrificial obedience to the will of the Father, by my perfect submission to him, by my sacrificial love for God. I will please him even unto death, even unto death The Father and I will remain united, you see, because he will raise me from the dead to be present with him forever. And then you will know that everything I do pleases him and it's because of him and it is in him. And the only authority I have is that which he has given me. And then to pose this question, but will you believe? Do you believe Jesus' testimony that I am the light of the world? Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Is it your testimony, is it my testimony that Jesus is the light of the world? Well, church, this is our testimony. This is our testimony. I would ask us for point of application this week, is our testimony credible? Is it credible? Turn again with me to Ephesians, this time to the fourth chapter. Let us first take a look at verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Are we following the light of Jesus or are we continuing to walk in the futility of our minds as the rest of the world does and according to the world system? Do we confirm our testimony by walking in the light? Let us look at Ephesians 5. I want to begin here in verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, For at one time you were in darkness, but you are now the light. You are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. See, Jesus is the light of the world. And we declare this message according to the authority of scriptures. Jesus is the light of the world, and we proclaim this message because we have been united to him. We have received the blessings of God in the heavenly places in him. Jesus is the light of the world and we testify because we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. We have experienced a love of God towards us in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. Our testimony is true because he has transformed us from the kingdoms of this present darkness and light has shown in our lives, causing us to live upright and godly lives in this present evil age. Jesus is the light of the world and we testify to his sacrificial love for sinners through our sacrificial love for him and for others. Jesus is the light of the world and we testify that as we make disciples, as we go into all the world to make disciples, we trust in the promise that Jesus says in Matthew uh, 28. Lo, I am with you to the end of the age. He that is in us is with us to the end of the age as we walk in his light and we proclaim the testimony of his light. And though the world around us might slay us, hate us, do whatever to us, God has never forsaken us and will never forsake us. And we will walk in him as we do this. We can trust in him. And this just affirms our testimony, doesn't it? This is the testimony that we have. And this is our defense for that testimony, which is, you know, the same as Jesus. Christ's testimony here in this text. Jesus will be with us to the end of the age. Let us now take a moment uh, to reflect on God's word, to ask God to have its full effect in us as we take a moment of silence. Heavenly Father, we praise and thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, for the light of the world that shines in our hearts, that has transformed us. We praise and thank you that you are always with us and that we can follow in that light, that you have enabled us by grace to see this light and to follow in that light. I pray, Lord, that you would help us have credible testimony in the world, giving a good defense for our relationship with you, our understanding of you, the life-giving spirit that you have given us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to live contrary to the world, to live in the world but not of it, that we can declare the otherness of the gospel of Jesus Christ with credibility, Lord. We need your grace to do so, though. I don't know about anybody else in here, but I'm going to drop the ball on that in my own strength. I believe we all need God's grace to help us to do what it is that I believe the Spirit is speaking to us this morning. Give us favor, I ask, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.